people are going to be more likely to purchase if they see a personalized offer, more likely to uh, have a higher order value, more likely to have repeat purchases, which ties into the customer lifetime value. And it's crazy to see when you start treating your VIPs as your truly most important customers and you provide them content or discounts that you don't give to others, they keep spending with you. You know, take a multivitamin or take a, uh, a moisturizer, for example, or a shampoo. People are looking for different things out of these. And if you're able to capture what their intent is, then that can really do a lot in terms of your segmentation. On this episode, you're going to learn about audience building for quarter four from three experts. You're going to learn how to scale your Black Friday Cyber Monday revenue without increasing ad spend. It's a great episode you do not want to miss, so do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear first-hand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hello, folks. Hi. Um, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and this is the e-commerce podcast show dedicated to rapid growth in direct-to-consumer selling. So if you work in marketing at an e-commerce business or are a founder, I am going to help you sell more direct to your customers. That's because each week in this podcast, I interview an expert a founder of a direct-to-consumer e-commerce business or a representative from a best-in-class e-commerce SaaS product. And we're focused in helping you or in helping you improve e-commerce growth metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately sales. Their remit, every guest I bring to this podcast, is really to help you sell more sustainably. Now, with that aside, I want to sort of, you know, bring in to your attention today's episode, which is um, an episode moderated by Kurt Elster, who is the co-founder of Ethos Cycle and also the host of the unofficial Shopify podcast. He, on in this episode, um, had on his panel, Jen Furukawa and Summer Tooth. Gen is the founder of Prehook, which is um, a, an interactive quizzes app for Shopify. And he also podcasts or, on Cart Overflow um, on, on, for, for e-commerce marketing. And um, Summer Tooth is a, well, he is the CEO and founder of Recart. Now, Recart has been recommended a few times in this podcast, and it's a Facebook messaging tool or app that's on the Shopify um, app ecosystem that pretty much just does messenger marketing, you know, on your behalf. So whether it's, you know, shopping carts, abandonment, broadcasts, just engagement, essentially. So re-engagement through messenger. Now on this episode, they discuss 
why Q4 is undoubtedly a retargeting event, um, you know, how to segment channels, tips on capturing email, you know, how to grow your audience, essentially, how to retarget your order on the audience and how to, you know, um, essentially grow your audience. So with the theory or the thesis here is the bigger your audience over Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the higher opportunity to sell more essentially. So um, it's it's a brilliant episode. It's a, it was a brilliant session rather at the Commerce Excel um, panel. Um, this is the only bit of this episode you're going to listen to me. Um, everything is going to be handed over to Kurt and I would just like you to enjoy this episode. It's, it's brilliant um, and very timely. So enjoy, listen to um, the messenger message from our sponsors shortly. And after that, um, you jump right in. Thank you. The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, Non, and Chubby's. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash 2x. Cloudways has become the hosting platform of choice for thousands of e-commerce merchants, SMBs, and agencies around the globe. Why? Well, there's a high-performing custom stack, top-notch security, the choice between five cloud solution providers, ease of scalability, affordable pricing plans, and so much more. Cloudways also offers support for all PHP-based applications like Magento, WooCommerce, WordPress, Laravel, and other. Experience an unbeatable managed cloud hosting experience with Cloudways today. For a $20 free hosting credit, use the coupon code BOOSTMAG. That's B-O-O-S-T-M-A-G. That's BOOSTMAG. Moving dreams forward, Cloudways. Hey everybody, I'm still thrilled to be here, you know, on on on, on Commerce Cell. Hope you're enjoying, you know, every session. Hope you're going to things that's that you need. You know, this is like a content sharing event. Learn, learn, learn. Now, um, Q4 is definitely a retargeting you know, event. And this panel, the panel you're about to, to get into, is the audience building for Q4 expert panel. And it really talks about how to scale your Black Friday, Cyber Monday revenue without added, without increasing ad spend. Um, because we know you need to prioritize the holiday selling season to include retargeting of owned audiences rather than acquire new ones. So I'd just like to hand it over to our moderator, Kurt Elster, from the unofficial Shopify podcast, who's going to introduce you know, all the panelists and um, enjoy this session. Oh my gosh, thank you. Hello, everyone. Thank you for dialing in to our panel, Audience Building for Q4, and it's an expert panel. We have uh, some folks joining, smarter than myself, to explain this to me. And it is a pleasure to have you here as I learn in public with you. I'm Kurt Elster, co-founder of a, a Shopify agency, EtherCycle, uh, Shopify partner for a decade, and I've been working in e-commerce most of my adult life. Uh, so been around the block a few times, but I'm probably best known for hosting the unofficial Shopify podcast. Yes, with a lot of sound effects on that show. Uh, but a little housekeeping before we get started. So this meeting is being recorded. Ensure your device is on mute during panel discussion. Use the ask a question feature on the right of your screen to ask any questions in relation to our discussion. We welcome the your input and questions. It helps us. And on Twitter, if you're discussing it, use the hashtag, uh, hashtag CommerceExcel. Uh, at 2xecommerce and uh, 2xecommerce on LinkedIn. But we would not be here without our sponsors. We need to plug those sponsors. This event has been proudly sponsored by our good friends at Judy. 
the financial companion that tracks returns and your entire business in one place. Measure all your ROI at Juni.co. And Imarsis, the omni-channel customer engagement platform of choice for more than 1,500 companies worldwide. Do more at Imarsis.com, E-M-A-R-S-Y-S.com. We're grateful for their support as the event Platinum Partners. Okay, so our session today, the overview. As our, our wonderful host said, brands with the largest and most engaged audiences win at Q4. I love that line. I love it so much that when I first heard it, I wrote it down, and then I used it on my own show. I stole it. So then, how are you going to build not just a sizable audience before the holiday promos start running, but one that's engaged and primed to purchase this Q4? That's what we're going to talk about in the next 38 minutes or so. Our speakers are going to show us which customer segments have the biggest leverage, how to grow your audiences and which channels to prioritize, how do you transcend data privacy clampdowns, and the best of them all, how to scale BFCM without increasing ad spend. Ooh, there is a lot to live up to in those promises for our panelists. Uh, I just have to answer the, ask the questions. Fortunately, I don't have to answer them. But our panelists joining me today, we have Jen Furukawa, co-founder, Prehook, and uh, they make interactive quizzes for Shopify stores. That sounds great. Yeah. Those do well. Thanks. Uh, Thanks. And do you host a podcast as well, sir? I do. Yeah. Uh, Cart Overflow for oh, I like that e com- Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Stack Overflow Influence for sure. Uh, but yeah, my name is Gen Furukawa. And, uh, did I screw it up? He did. Ava. Oh, okay. I asked like five times and then I overthought it. I'm so sorry. Uh, he did. He did. It's okay. It rhymes with Glenn. Oh, there you go. Um, but yeah. Kurt, that's a tough intro to follow. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, co-founder of Prehook, a quiz builder for Shopify merchants. Uh, the main goal is to help merchants accelerate lead growth, list growth in terms of emails and SMS, um, then recommend conversion rate and we recommend products. And uh, most importantly now, which I think is covered in another session, but we'll get into here, capture customer data, zero party data. So um, I've been in e-commerce for about 10 years, started at at a brand called Bucket Feet uh, as an intern. And that was like way back in the day. Uh, and then since then, uh, have been in e-commerce tech, e-commerce SaaS, uh, was part of the co-founding team or the, part of the founding team, uh, joined early with um, Jungle Scout. And that's where I met my co-founders and realized that merchants don't necessarily know what problem they're solving for. So with a few questions, they can figure out how to market better, how to position their product better. And that's what I'd love to talk about today. So anyway, thrilled to be here. Hope to answer your questions and add a lot of value. Wonderful. We have another panelist, Soma Toth, CEO of Recart, who previously ran uh, several successful e-commerce stores and then decided to build Recart. Soma, uh, introduce yourself. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Soma. I am the CEO and uh, founder at Recart. And yes, as Kurt mentioned, um, in seven, eight years ago, I was building my own e-commerce stores and many of our marketing automations we were built by ourselves. And back then we realized, you know, how much money those automations and tools are making uh, to us. So we spent that out a couple of years later into Recart, first as a cart abandonment uh, recovery mobile marketing platform that primarily focuses on Facebook Messenger marketing, and now we're adding uh, additional social channels uh, to help merchants reach their customers and sell more. Wonderful. Should we, let's, let's dive in there. Uh, so we established, and I think we know if you've, if you've done this for a few years at this point, Q4 was described as, un, quote, undoubtedly a retargeting event. That may seem obvious to some people, but uh, not necessarily everyone. Let's start. I want to hear both of you tell me why are we describing Q4 in this way? Why are we saying it is undoubtedly a retargeting event? Usually, people and merchants themselves don't really consider the fact that uh, when you make your first uh, sale uh, with one of your customers, it usually takes eight to 10 touch points, eight to 10 meetings with that customer. Uh, see your ads, understand your very proposition, um, understand your product, 
understand why your product is important. It takes several touch points to get someone to purchase. If you start uh, too late and you, and you start introduce yourself in the middle of the BFCM rush where every single customer is being bombarded with all the offers and they don't know anything about your product, you're already too late and the education uh, won't happen and those people won't, most likely won't be uh, excited about your product by the time uh, of Black Friday and the, the high season. Um, so basically that's why just increasing the prospective uh, ad budget just won't work. First off, uh, at high peak BFCM, uh, CPMs will go crazy. So it's going to be super hard uh, and super expensive to, to reach your ideal prospective and cold audience. So you're way better off if you start that relationship and that introduction right now and you build your alternate lists, build your own lists where you can uh, keep your customers updated. Okay, so our issue is you can't expect to drive cold traffic to your store and have them make a sale if they're seeing it for the first time because we're this is a relationship building exercise. We have to have these on average eight to 10 touch points in our sales cycle or our sales funnel before someone's willing to make a purchase. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Right. Makes sense. Uh, Gen, anything to add there? Yeah, I, I, I think that those are great points, but I would actually take the counter, counter stance that it's not retargeting per se, and I think that's what the crux of this is about, um, is that if there is a heavy reliance on paid, the ROI on that is uncertain at this point. And especially it might be maybe even short term if we consider what might be coming down the pike in terms of um, remarketing and, and that access to um, third party cookies and iOS 14, iOS 15. What I, what that, uh, so what I think you said that makes a lot of sense is that it's about who you target and with what targeting. And I think that's where the owned audience comes in. So it's, it's not retargeting, which to me, uh, implies that it's all, all paid. Um, but it's kind of like this holistic experience in omni-channel. And I think uh, the owned channel, so it might be um, email, SMS, Facebook Messenger, um, those are going to be um, touch points as well. So um, you, you can't necessarily count all your touch points with paid. I think that's what we'll discuss uh, maybe even next is what you know about your customers and how your um, how you're segmenting them on the back end, how you're tying that segmentation to the offer that you're putting in front of them, and then how you're kind of like tracking them around. So that that's where the remarketing comes in. Um, but it's, yeah, maybe more touch points with offers because there's going to be a ton of noise to compete with. So it's the relevancy and, and the personalization that cuts through the noise. And I think that's where you might see the effectiveness of the marketing campaigns. Okay. Oh, man. A lot of follow-ups there. But my direct follow-up to that, uh, you said relevancy will improve the effectiveness of campaigns. Tell me, tell me what you mean by that. Give me a, a either go deeper on it or give me a working example so I can visualize it. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we've seen a ton of uh, statistics in terms of personalization. And so uh, what that entails is, people are going to be more likely to purchase if they see a personalized offer, more likely to uh, have a higher order value, more likely to have repeat purchases, which ties into the customer lifetime value. And I think the crux of it, what may be most interesting is that customers are willing to share their personal data in exchange for a personalized experience. So there's like, we all want it. And, and so statistics bear this out and I, I wish I had a, a link to it, um, but it's cited statistics. Um, but here's the rub, and I, I think here's where the opportunity is, which is a customer experience gap. Everybody wants a personalized experience, but marketers are, are struggling with it. And I think it, it might be one in 10 are actually effectively uh, putting forward a personalized experience. And so uh, where is the shortcoming? Is it with the tooling? Well, if you look at Clavio or OmniSend or um, any of these other tools like Nasto, personalization, the tooling is there, but personalization is really only as good as the data that you're feeding it, like garbage in, garbage out. So 
what what data are you gathering about your customers that you're able to put together a, a tight segmentation? And so, Kurt, I hope that answers your questions in terms of like why people care about the offer that they're seeing or why personalization actually matters. Uh, and in short, it matters because I think it's directly tied to dollars. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I think I... I, I definitely I agree with all of that, or at least a most of the sentiment. Um, certainly, the I think the personalization increases relevance. Relevance increases our, our ROI or return on ad spend. One of the two, and within that, I think you're right about the tooling uh, being finally like we have the tools to do this. I still don't think it's necessarily easy to do, especially on-site personalization. But the stuff is out there. But you're right, very few people do it. And of our our clients that are doing personalization, it does it has very positive gains. It has a positive effect. Um, but even for us, it's a thing we're really, admittedly, only just getting into seriously in like 2020, 2021, where we're like, all right, we need further optimizations. We need to really stretch, start stretching these budgets. Totally. What um, can I just dig in there a little bit? Ahead. Like what that actually looks like tactically. Like, and I'm sure you're going deeper than, you know, like, um, first name, um, what, what do your, the personalization, uh, tactics look like? Well, so you're right. Yeah. It, you could just do stuff. Like when people think about personalization, it's like, Oh, hello. Welcome back, Kurt. It's 72 mm -hmm. degrees in Chicago. Like that's the stuff we think about, but is that relevant to the shopping experience? I think where you get the real gains on personalization is where they're a little more transparent and a lot more focused on merchandising, like use personalization to hide from me the stuff that is not relevant to me. That's, and then, oh, well now the stuff that is relevant bubbles to the top and suddenly uh, your conversion rate for that segment goes up. I didn't necessarily, I'm the moderator. I'm not supposed to answer my own questions. <laughs> uh, so from, uh, all right, so moving on from personalization or perhaps building on it, let's talk about segments. So in a, the broad sense, I cannot treat my audience as just one single pulsating unit that I market to. It's just not one like Akira type monster that I show Facebook ads to and send newsletters to. There are individual groups within my audience. Help, help me segment. You know, we, we talked about a funnel. We talked about eight to 10 touch points. So uh, Soma, tell me about segmenting my audience. Do you have thoughts Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Happy to help. So first off, um, I, I have to clarify that segmentation is a very broad topic. You can segment your audience into two pieces and you seg can segment your audience on a subscriber basis as well. So you can go into in super details. Uh, but luckily, um, many, many things can be done with a very few simple steps. So uh, in our experience at Recart, most of our merchants see value from creating engaged lists, different types of engaged lists based on click, uh, open, and on-site activities. So for example, they create segments based on people who clicked on a message in the past 30 days. So they define who are the people who are mostly uh, interested in their offers. They can uh, give it a spin to that segment and say, okay, include only the people who have not made a purchase in that period of time. So I know that when I send my offer to them, when I send my content to them, that they have not purchased yet. Um, so another very good type of segment and also super easy to do in any of these tools is creating a VIP list. So VIP lists can be defined based on total order value or number of orders that the customer made in the entire life cycle. And it usually starts from 300, maybe 500 bucks in, in total ordered value. And it creates you a very strong list of your you know, best customers, which customers you can treat as VIPs moving forward. 
And it's crazy to see when you start treating your VIPs as your truly most important customers and you provide them content or discounts that you don't give to others, they keep spending with you. They, they keep consuming your content and they keep uh, uh, purchasing your products. So we can go into segmentation like very, very deeply. Segments can be defined in all, based on all sorts of data points. But uh, for us, what we see with merchants who are making a couple of hundred thousand dollars every single month, uh, they mostly use engagement and uh, order value-based segments. And they send campaigns, offers, and content to them very effectively. Uh, it works much better than just blasting your entire list out. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches, and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's the deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, then extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind backups. Remember to head over to Rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. Did you know that loyal customers are nine times more likely to convert compared to a first-time shopper? That's why exceptional customer service is so important for your retention and growth. I recommend using Gorgeous, the leading help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce merchants. Gorgeous combines all your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It also integrates seamlessly with your existing tech stack so you can access customer information and even edit, return, refund, or create an order right from your help desk. To learn more, go to gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S.com and mention 2X e-commerce podcast for two months free. That is gorgeous.com for two months free. Just mention 2X e-commerce. Give me, I agree with what you're saying, but I'm having a hard time visualizing it in practice because I think the missing piece there is how do these offers differ? So if I have, we're talking um, you know, engagement-based segments or like RFM segments where I've got, you know, there's a difference between someone who's never made a purchase, the VIP at the other end, and then in the middle, we have like made one purchase, made two purchases, you know, in the last six months, that kind of thing. What, how do those offers typically change between segments? Yeah, really good question. So first off, engaged lists can usually receive non-promotional content as well, like education about your product, new arrivals, things uh, that makes your brand more exciting to them because you can expect that there's much higher chance that they will purchase when you send the offer. Many merchants, uh, and especially in SMS where sending messages to your entire list can be fairly expensive, they uh, use this segment to send most of their 
promotions to the engaged segment because they know that, okay, it's less likely that anyone else would click on that and purchase. Of course, they send updates to them regularly as well, but not as regularly as to the engaged lists. So I, I, with the engaged lists, I see these kind of two differences. And of course, for the engaged lists, you can also do something similar that our merchants usually do with the VIP list. You can increase the discount you send out. And you can send unique discount codes to make it very much personal and you can handle them as priority customers since you can expect them to, to convert better. Does that answer your question? Yes. No, absolutely. Uh, again, do you, well, do you have thoughts there? But I'm wondering, since your experience is in uh, customer survey data, is there a way to take a data-driven approach to these segments or segment offers? Yeah, so the way that I think about segmentation is basically like what Soma's talking about, but if you can think of in terms of buckets, like, right, there's a demographic way to segment. So that's as simple as like what their age is or what their, what their gender is, and then geographic data. And, and so there might be different products that make sense. This is all kind of like pulled from purchase history. And so then behavioral data. So that could be per past transactions or purchases, uh, website behavior, abandoned cart, all those stuff. And then lastly is the psychographic data. And that's like uh, kind of internally the customer, what are they looking for? What are their interests, their goals, their challenges? And those are, those are things that maybe up until this point, <laughs> not really up until this point, but like, unless you actually have data and, and just to clarify, like what zero party data is, is data shared directly and willingly from a customer to the brand. Unless you actually have that, a lot of that is inferred or you're making assumptions. Like for example, if I were looking at a, a skin care product or a moisturizer, um, you can say, oh, I you know, have dry skin or normal skin or whatever, but you don't necessarily know unless of course you're asking directly, like what problem are you trying to solve or um, what does success look like to you? And if you take a, a brought, uh, any product, a lot of these products could have different use cases and benefits depending on who's purchasing. Like, you know, take a multivitamin or take a, uh, a moisturizer, for example, or a shampoo. People are looking for different things out of these. And if you're able to capture what their intent is, then that can really do a lot in terms of your segmentation. And so how does that actually trickle down to, um, to the communication facing the customer. Uh, well, you would be educating them differently. Uh, you would be sharing different benefits, of course. Um, one example is um, Kettle and Fire. It's a bone broth brand. I, they have a quiz right on their homepage. Uh, it's kind of like the start of the customer journey. And what's really interesting is they, they have a question kind of early in the quiz, what are you, what are you trying to get out of this? Um, and it's like, you know, health or better immunity or, or um, lower inflammation. And depending on that, then they're at the very end of the quiz, they merchandise it, they um, position their product specific to the problems that you're, you're offering. And so just imagine how that would play out in um, the education that you're getting in the email and the post welcome, post quiz welcome flow um, with the remarketing campaigns. And so I think that is kind of like in some ways a missing piece to what we were talking about earlier, Kurt, in terms of personalization is like, what is it that I'm looking for? And then how can this product help me get to who I want to be, you know, what I want to become? I love this idea because I know from our, our conversion rate optimization work, the thing that has the highest, just wildly outsized gains is copywriting. And it's because with copywriting, you're really making your your positioning, your product market fit more relevant with better copywriting. It's not so much the copy's better, it's that it's more relevant to the person reading it. And so the, this quiz idea, this segmentation idea, personalization idea, all of these things at their core are just ways to get our message more relevant to the person. Okay, I like that idea. Now, one thing you touched on at the start and then again now was uh, first-party data. And you mentioned we've got this, these uh, privacy clampdowns in iOS 14. Um, for people who aren't familiar with why they might be terrified at the moment, or why maybe they should be, 
can you dive into it? Can you tell me, talk to me a little bit about uh, IS, the iOS 14 privacy um, issue and uh, this concept of, of first-party data? Yeah, for sure. Um, so first-party data is kind of like passively tracked. So that's um, things that you are capturing yourself. And so like I said earlier, like you, what you, what a uh, person's pur- purchase history is. And from there, you can maybe assume where they live based on their shipping address, uh, billing address. Second-party data is that, but it's kind of like packaged together and anonymized and third-party data um, more so. The, the difference as you get to second and third-party data is that you actually don't necessarily know the sourcing and you don't know when it was gathered and from whom, and therefore it's a little bit less reliable. But as you get closer to the source, of course you can uh, get more reliable data, but then you actually know who that came from. And so when you tie the who it came from and you tie it to an email address or a phone number for an SMS and what they're looking for, all of a sudden like that pairing, like unlocks so much. And, and so copywriting is one thing. The, the offer means uh, a lot. The on-site web, website experience and then um, SMS and, and paid and, and messenger. I mean, so it really ties together like this omni-channel experience. Um, and basically the, the, the goal is to get closer and closer to uh, the customer data. And this is becoming more talked about, I think, as uh, iOS 14. So iOS 14 um, basically uh, Facebook is no longer allowed to track or not just Facebook, but Apple is making changes so that third party apps like Facebook can no longer track user behavior across different websites, which means that you don't necessarily know like, um, if they purchased and, and, um, what, what their, what their behavior is. So when you're building out remarketing campaigns, um, a while ago, you know, or even just a year ago or so, uh, you could reliably build campaigns, let the algorithm do its work. Um, now, as that data is pulled away from Facebook, it's a little bit uh, less reliant. And I think brands are seeing that. And so cost per acquisition is increasing. Anyway, that's all to say that there, there's maybe more of a focus on having an owned relationship with customers and then having that direct relationship. So uh, email, SMS, and, and these types of things. Excellent explanation and far better than I could have done. Soma, you have a lot of experience with, with customer journeys. And so I'm curious uh, in your mind, what does a customer, a successful customer funnel look like? If I'm really, you know, prior to Black Friday, I want to wring out the most for my ad spend without increasing it. I suspect that the way to do that is to increase touch points and really like build out a more complete customer uh, funnel that accompanies this, this customer journey with the brand. Talk me through what's a good one look like? Like how would, if you said, yeah. man, this is what doing it right is, what does doing it right look like? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to, happy to dive into this. So first let's talk about the on-site experience. So let's imagine that the customer is already on your website checking out your brand, your story, or your products. So I'm not going to talk about you know how many touch points you need to, to take before they can actually go to your website and from what kind of sources. Let's assume that you they are already on uh, the website. Most of the merchants already run some kind of lead capture mechanisms on size, uh, most likely a pop-up that captures email addresses, phone numbers, messenger uh, subscriptions, uh, etc. Um, first problem is basically there. Um, most merchants go into their Clavio, Omnisend, Optimonk, uh, Recart, whatever tool they use, uh, enable the pop-up and they think that the job is done. And in many cases, those default templates are not doing an effective job for them. So I have this kind of 10-person rule here. Uh, I want to capture at least 10% of the on-site traffic into email, SMS, or messenger channels. I think that's where the party starts. That's where that's the 10% where merchants can say, okay, 
I am somewhat effective at capturing my traffic and and targeting my traffic into owned channels. So if you are below 10% in terms of conversion rate, you have work to do there. And I see relatively big and even very, very big brands being okay with a pop-up that converts three, four, 5% because they don't want to go aggressive. They don't want to do full screen pop-up. They don't want to give a more aggressive or more compelling offer. But if you think about that, you can very easily double, triple, or even quadruple the number of people who you can talk to on those channels where you can get complete control over what you send to those customers. So I think that's like the very first point, what you really need to nail, how to subscribe people to these lists very, very effectively. And don't let it go until it is at least 10%. Ideally, if it's very strong, it should be at 15. And we're seeing examples of 20, 25. If you start testing what your audience is receptive to, you will find surprises. So for many of our merchants, for example, nowadays, mystery discounts work really, really well. They're not showing uh, the discount they're going to give to their customers. Instead, they're finding out what uh, the discount will be in the email. And they build a flow, which has a starting point as a subscription. Then there is a randomizer that basically randomly picks between four different discount codes. It can be weighted. And then um, the email sends the discount code they are going to get. Opt-in rates are super huge. And of course, there is a revenue component to this. So many merchants argue that, okay, capturing more subscribers does not necessarily uh, lead to higher revenues because <clears throat> revenue per subscriber are usually lower there. And I agree, as soon as you start going from five to 10%, yes, revenue per lead will decrease. But at the same time, the cumulative revenue you're generating from your list is going to be a lot, lot higher. Um, so I would start with your capturing stuff. And then I would move into your welcome flow. Welcome flows on email should at least consist of five to eight different messages where you introduce yourself, your brand, you teach your customers about your products, your product lines. Uh, SMS should SMS and Messenger should be two to four messages with the same regard. Introductionary, educational, and slightly promotional messages to introduce yourself, get the product familiar with uh, the customer. And then what's really needs to be important is to have your bras and cart abandonment flows ready and live in your accounts. Not your checkout abandonment, your cart abandonment. Many, and actually most software, defines cart abandonment uh, in their dashboard, but what they actually do is check out abandonment. You have to make sure that your tool actually can is able to capture email addresses from pop-ups, tie that email address to the customer, and send them cart abandonment or browse abandonment messages if they leave their cart. In many cases, and I think Clavio by default also does checkout abandonment, so customers have to reach the checkout before the cart abandonment flow is being fired. So it's important to check, to double check that, uh, because it, if it does, um, you can send five, five times more messages uh, than compared to checkout abandonment. So then you need to set up receipt fulfillment and delivery notifications on both email and mobile channels like SMS and Messenger, you will be surprised how much revenue they're going to generate if you say that, hey, your purchase has been delivered and here's a discount code for your next purchase. And the latest one that is very, very effective and it's also part of the basics is post-purchase or the so-called win backflows, where you remind your customers that it's time to purchase again. So again, get your pop-up in straight, use the 10% rule. It has to be higher than that. Then use the welcome flow, educate your customers, uh, browse and cart abandonment, uh, receive fulfillment delivery, 
and post-purchase uh, and uh, winback flows. That's the absolute basics you need to get done in order to generate a steady flow of revenue from, from these journeys, from these automations. Oh, I love it. That is some, <laughs> some good advice there because I've seen consistently that welcome series and browse abandonment and abandoned cart are where of the automations, that's where a lot of the money lives. And when you've got this, a, a really great opt-in rate on some kind of pop-up offer, then that welcome series uh, suddenly starts printing money for the brand. And so I like that idea a lot. Um, and the idea of that mystery discount to increase opt-in rate. And you're saying like, dude, don't settle for, you know, three, five percent opt-in rate, go 10%, 15%. Wow. That's really wild. Uh, I wrote down mystery discount. And <laughs> that's a thing I've got a store in mind. We're going to try this and see if we get these double digit opt-in rates like you suggest. And if I don't, I'm coming back to you. Again, <laughs> uh, I want to know. All right. So I need to grow my audience. You have a quiz tool. I love the idea of quizzes. I don't have a ton of experience with them, but my experience has been positive. In the past, the way we have grown audiences without spending money at the traffic store, i.e. Facebook, giveaways have worked well. I bet quizzes work well, but that's my question. Talk me through, how do I grow my audiences without my own channel audiences without just dumping money into Facebook ad spend? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so, Selma, that's a tough follow-up because you, you laid things out so nicely, very thoughtfully. And I think the mystery discount kind of gets to the same uh, value that a quiz offers, which is basically like it piques our curiosity. Like for the mystery discount, what am I going to get a discount? It's, it's going to be a far different opt-in than like, all right, I know I'm going to get 10%, so I'll just give an email. Um, and I think a quiz plays the same curiosity because we as humans love to learn about ourselves. So that, with a quiz, there's always kind of like some, ideally some thing at the end that we end up learning about ourselves. So what could that be? Could be, you know, there's what's my skin type? What's my, uh, what type of wine do I love or will I love? Uh, so there's that discovery element. Um, what's my routine to grow my hair back or whatever, but there's, there's, um, some curiosity and some value. And I think it's that exchange of value, the quid pro quo of like, here's my info, give me something in return. Like we're, that's going to become more and more important. And I think a quiz can help uh, solve that. So how can you uh, utilize a quiz more without spending? Um, so of course you can have a dedicated landing page and a quiz, you know, Facebook or, or Instagram or YouTube, whatever. Um, and it'll be like, you know, learn about this and, or discover your that. And it sends to the landing page. But of course you can do the same once you get that traffic. So if we're going to take almost 10% rule um, and do that, how can we get people to take the quiz? Um, because our, our merchants are seeing, you know, again, two to three X uh, the opt-in rate of a quiz as opposed to just a, a, an opt-in or, um, you know, at the footer, join our club or join our newsletter. Um, because again, it's the value that people are getting. Um, so if you're able to, a, have a great hook with a quiz. So what they're going to get at the end, the value that you're offering for them to take the quiz, um, and then an, and then an opt-in. And even Clavio is doing this now uh, in some sense with their multi-step opt-in. Um, because again, yeah, an email is good, but then what data are you attaching to that email in order to, to work on the segmentation, which we discussed earlier. Um, so on site, once you get them to the quiz, there are a multitude of ways to engage them in the quiz, uh, where you might see, you know, at the hero in the hero nav. So uh, lots of brands start their customer journey. In fact, you have to take a quiz, um, especially if it's a subscription brand, say Scentbird, which is DTC fragrance, or um, Trade Coffee DTC coffee, or Stitch Fix clothes. All these things you need to take a quiz because on a recurring basis what you know about the customer is so important in order for them to continue. Um, but the same can be said for, you know, one-time purchases. Um, so if, if you can focus on, you know, the, the hero image, you have a quiz, uh, the header, the footer nav, um, and then also uh, a pop-ups. And I've seen uh, some of our merchants and then other stores that I've seen as well have a pop-up and it might be an exit, exit intent based pop-up as somebody goes to close the window, but Hey, wait, 
let's learn um, about you and, and we'll give you something in return. So uh, those are some of the ways. And like I said, I think it's at least worth a try uh, because not only are you going to possibly see a higher opt-in rate so you can exceed 10%, but you're going to get a lot more with that lead um, once you think about what you need in order to improve your, your marketing. Uh, and then you just ask that. And because you're going to offer something good in return, you can most likely get that from a customer. Fabulous and uh, enlightening. That We're out of time. I have like 10 more questions I could answer, which would just result in another 10 questions each, I'm sure, because you were both a, a wealth of knowledge. Soma, Again, thank you so much. I appreciate, uh, appreciate your candor and sharing your knowledge with us. And so before we move on to our next session, well, we must be extremely grateful for the support and partnership of our partners. So thank you for making this event a success. To our gold partners, PostScript, making SMS for e-commerce easy. Automate your SMS marketing at postscript.io. Recart. Sell more with Facebook Messenger Marketing. Reduce abandons, abandoned carts at recart.com. And our silver partners, Omnisend. Increase your sales, not your workload. Take the shortcut to revenue growth at omnisend.com. Bolt, connecting retailers and millions of shoppers in a unified network. Your shoppers are one click away. Bolt.com. And BeProfit. Get all your e-commerce profits at a glance. Track all your expenses at beprofit.com. Oh, well, thank you. And join us for the next session on Optimize Your Q4 with Scenario Planning by Matt Putra, founder of 8X at uh, 14, uh, 245 p.m. and 745 p.m. And in the meanwhile, take a journey through the exhibition for an exciting engagement with our partners. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X E-Commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X E-Commerce listeners on our Facebook group, E-Commerce Growth Accelerator Mastermind. Just search for 2X E-Commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.